0: Today's scripture reading is John 14, verses 15 through 31. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced, because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading and the hearing of his word.
1: In 1988, I was but just a young buck. We just got started, Pastor Phil. (laughs) I was a young buck. And there's a popular song on the radio by Bobby McFerrin. It was a number one hit, in fact. And and Bobby McFerrin sang these words, don't worry. Be happy. Here's a little song I wrote. You might want to sing it note for note. Don't worry. Be happy. A song, in, in some regards, has become a cultural icon, has it not? Love it or hate it, those words. And music are familiar to most people. And most of us have heard it and, dare I say, sang it a time or two. Such songs kind of resonate with us because worry is so prevalent prevalent in our hearts, is prevalent in our world. And it doesn't matter whether you're young or old, rich or poor, black or white, female or male. Anxiety and worry does not discriminate. And the world understands this and the world is not oblivious to this. It knows that worry is an issue for people even at an early age. My favorite animated movie and and the goat of our animations <laughs> is the Lion King. Not even up for debate. <laughs> and the most popular and well known song in the Lion King is Akuta Matata. What a wonderful phrase! Akuta Matata, it's no passing craze. It means no worries. For the rest of your days. It's our problem free philosophy. Akuda matata. Don't worry. Be happy. Akuda matata. These are the world's answers to worry. These are the world's solutions to trouble. And they sound catchy, and they sound good, but how helpful are they really, beloved? I mean, I understand words can be helpful and words are helpful, but in the end, they are just words. They are just words. And i want to suggest to you this morning that the same could be said for Jesus' words. That they are just words. When addressing the worry and trouble of his disciples and the worry and trouble that they were facing and were going to face, Jesus said in chapter 14 and verse 1, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Now listen, listen, beloved. And please follow me on this. This is so important. Jesus isn't just singing a song, or he's not just offering a a poem. He doesn't give words just in hope that they might help. Okay? But he gives more than words. Now listen, if all Jesus has said was let, your, let not your heart be troubled, believe in God, believe also in me. If that is all he said, okay, he might as well have been saying akuta matata. He may as well have been looking at them and start singing, don't worry, be happy. What makes these words impactful is not just that Jesus said them. The difference is he said them and then he put a promise and a power behind them. He didn't just say them because words after at the end are just words. But he spoke those words and then on top of them gave a promise and a power. He doesn't just say don't worry. But then he promised That he would send someone to back up those words. He would send someone to empower those words to his disciples. He promised that he would send someone who would empower those words to you and me, namely, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. So, beloved, listen, Jesus isn't here just giving some inspirational speech. These words are not just good encouraging platitudes, but Jesus gives more than just words. The important aspect of this passage is that Jesus declared who Holy Spirit is. Holy Spirit is a promise. He is a promise. In John 14 and 16, he tells his disciples, if they were not going to worry, if they were not going to have the trouble overwhelm them, then they would need help. And Jesus promised his disciples that he would send help. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, help. The Holy Spirit is not just a promise. Holy Spirit is a power. For the Holy Spirit is called, in verse 6, helper. In a sense, he strengthens. He builds up, he guides, he enables. He has ability. There is no help without ability. There is no help without the power to help. My son, when he was young, frequently wanted to help me cut the grass. But he didn't have the strength to push the lawnmower. And so as much as he wanted to help, his words were just words. He didn't have any ability behind it. No power. Holy Spirit is a promise. The Holy Spirit is a power to help you have power. Power. What it says—that's what Jesus said in Acts chapter one and verse eight. He says, "But you will receive what power—power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you." Holy Spirit is a promise. Holy Spirit is a power. The Holy Spirit is a person. Holy Spirit is a person. Again, in chapter John and verse. In chapter John 14, verse 6, Jesus says that he is going to send another helper. Jesus had been with them as encourager. Jesus had been with them as teacher. Jesus had been with them as helper. But Jesus promised that when he left, he was going to send another Another one, he was sending someone just like him to do the things that he did, to walk with them and to talk with them and to remind them that they belonged to Jesus. The Holy Spirit is a promise. The Holy Spirit is a power, and the Holy Spirit is a person. Listen, beloved, Without Jesus, without Jesus, the disciples would disintegrate. That's where they were headed. They were headed toward disintegration. Their unity would fall apart, their commitment would fail. And Jesus, knowing this, promised them a power and a person who would not let that happen. As long as he was with them, he was holding them together. Knowing that he would go away, he made a promise to send a power in a person who would do what he had been doing, holding them together, just as he did. And when Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled, beloved, this was not the Bible's version of Akuta Matata. No, no, no. These are not just words. These words are backed up by Holy Spirit, and Holy Spirit is real. He was promised by Jesus. He came in the power of Jesus. He is a person just like Jesus. And so Jesus is here in this passage, teaching and instructing his disciples on the necessity of understanding the realization of Holy Spirit and how Holy Spirit would be to them what he had been. And as real as Jesus had been to them, Holy Spirit now would be. When Jesus said, do not let your heart be troubled, he understood that those words would not be enough. Because, beloved, I, I, I say it again. If all he did was say, Do not let your heart be troubled, those are good words, but they're just words. And giving them a song to sing would not be enough. But he gave them a promise. The promise of a person with power. He gave them the Spirit, Holy Spirit. And everything, beloved, everything Jesus calls forth for us, we achieve and we receive in, by, and through the Holy Spirit. Everything. And this is what he is teaching his disciples, that everything that's coming your way when I leave will be the blessed work and the grace of God in Holy Spirit. And Jesus not only promised to send him, Jesus described him. So there can be no mistaken when he comes. You're going to know him. I'm going to describe him to you. So you won't be mistaken when Holy Spirit comes. You got to recognize him this morning. Let us know who the Holy Spirit is this morning. Let us recognize him. Who is the Holy Spirit? How will we know him when he comes? There's five characteristics of the Holy Spirit I want to share with you this morning. I think coming from this text, there's probably more. But I got mental limitations. And so you only get five from this mind this morning. First of all, he is a spirit of obedience. Jesus reminded his disciples that those who follow him are those who obey him. Notice verse 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. In verse 21 of chapter 14, it says again, whoever has my commandments keeps them. He it is who loves me. In verse 23, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. Here's my question this morning. Where does this disobedience come from? How does disobedience come to pass? Jesus says, if you love me, you're going to obey me. Those who obey me love me. Those who follow me will keep my commandments. Where does disobedience come from? Because, beloved, the reality is that we are by nature disobedient. Jesus is telling naturally disobedient people. That you're going to obey my commandments. Where did that obedience come from? In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 2 we are called sons and daughters of disobedience. We are those who follow the spirit of disobedience in the world. That's who we are by nature. Why? Because we are by nature sons and daughters. Of Adam and Eve. And when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, what did they do? They disobeyed God. Why? Because that's what sin is. That's the essence of what sin is. Sin is disobedience to the law of God. And this is what sinners do. With every breath we take, with every move we make, children don't learn disobedience they have to be taught obedience disobedience comes naturally no one naturally was in obedience to god so from whence comes disobedience our beloved oh obedience is those who walk The Bible says, according to the Spirit. This is the work of Holy Spirit in our lives. This would be the work of Holy Spirit in the disciples' life. It would be a spirit of obedience. It's what Paul said in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16. So I say, walk in the Spirit, So, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Why? Because the Spirit is the Spirit of obedience. And when you walk in the Spirit, you walk in obedience. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 25. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Meaning, walking in obedience. If you love me, you will obey. From which comes disobedience. Because I have made a promise. And I'm going to send a person. And he's going to be the power that enables you to obey. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. Recognize him when he comes. He was thinking that they obey God in their own strength. No, you don't. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. That's what the Spirit does in your life. Every time you find yourself walking in obedience to God, don't take credit for that. That is the Holy Spirit. Fulfilling the promise that Jesus made to his disciples. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Recognize him when he comes. Not you. That's the Spirit of God. That's Holy Spirit. He's a spirit of obedience. Not only is he a spirit of obedience, he's also a spirit of love. What does Spirit empower us to obey? The commands of Christ. And what are the commands of Christ? that we love God, and that we love each other. Matthew chapter 22, beginning in verse 36. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and the first commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said just earlier in the previous chapter, in John chapter 13, beginning in verse 34, a new command I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. The ability... To obey the command of love? From whence does this come? What is the fruit of the Spirit? The Bible says clearly it's love. How, how do we get God's love and how does it come to us? The Bible says in Romans chapter 5 and verse 5, it comes to us through the Spirit. For we know how dearly God loves us. Because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Listen, beloved. If you love God, it is because of the work and power of the Holy Spirit. If we love one another, it is because of the work and the power of Holy Spirit. 1 John chapter 4. Verse 13, by this we know that we abide in him, and he in us, because he has given us his spirit. This is how we know that we abide in the Lord, and the Lord imbi- abides in us, because his spirit is in us. And now, look at 1 John chapter 4 and verse 16, so we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. The command to love is simply a command to walk in the Spirit. This is what happens, beloved, when you don't grieve the Spirit. You walk in love. This is what happens when we're filled with the Spirit. We walk in love. People who are filled with the Spirit are people who are filled with love for the brothers and the sisters. Listen to me. Listen to me. Listen, listen. Regardless of what people like to sensationalize and regardless of what people like to experience in church this morning, you don't measure the Spirit's presence and its power by speaking in tongues. You don't measure his presence and His power by interpreting tongues. And you don't measure his presence and His power by prophesying. You measure it by how loving you are. And not just me, that's not just me talking. That's what the Bible says. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, getting in verse 1. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong and a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that I can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If you don't have love, And you don't have the Spirit. Because He's the Spirit of love. And I don't care whatever else you think you have, and whatever Spirit you think is working in you. (laughs) If you don't have love, you don't have Holy Spirit. I don't know what kind of spirit you have, but it ain't Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is a spirit of love. Love for God and love for the brothers and the sisters. Love for His beloved. People are Fun of asking me from time to time, Pastor, how do I know I'm saved? You can read a whole bunch of books and you can go and listen to a whole bunch of lectures. You can go and get yourself all twisted up in the theological knots and the implications of this and the consequences of that. Let me tell you, beloved, if you are saved, you have Holy Spirit. And if you have Holy Spirit, you love Jesus. And you love the brethren. How do you know you're saved? Do you love the Lord? And do you love His people? If you love Jesus and you love His people, then the Holy Spirit is at work in you. Because that is the promise of Christ that He would be in you, the spirit of love, and that's the truth. That's the truth, beloved. Ain't you know how I know that's the truth? Is it because the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth? Right. <laughs> he's spirit of obedience. He's spirit of love, and he's spirit of truth. The Holy Spirit is called. The spirit of truth in verse 17, right? John 14, 17. The spirit of truth is how Jesus describes Holy Spirit. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him. Recognize him when he comes. The world won't know him. They won't recognize him. Why? Because they are by nature disobedient. Because they have not love for Christ. Because they know not the truth, but you knowing, for he lives with you and will be in you. Listen, beloved. This is what God does. God leads people to the truth. This is what Holy Spirit does. Holy Spirit leads people to the truth. You know what the Bible is clear about? The Bible is clear that this present world in which we live is under the influence of the devil. Make no mistake about it. It's what Jesus says in John chapter 14, just some verses later. In verse 30, he is called the ruler of this world. He called the devil the ruler of this world. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4, he is called the God of this age. He is the ruler of this world. He is the God of this age. And in John chapter 8 and verse 44, he is called the father of lies. So the father of lies is the ruler of this world, the father of lies, is the God of this age. How did this happen? Because this fallen world is based on a lie that the devil told Adam and Eve. And he led them into the lie. And ever since then, lying is the primary weapon used by the devil against God's people. He lies. He lies, beloved. He lies. He lies and tries to convince people that there is no God. It's a lie. It's a lie. He lies and tries to convince people that God doesn't care. It's a lie. It's a lie. He lies and tells people that the Bible is not the Word of God. He lies. He is a father of lies. He is a ruler of this world. He is a God of this age. And that is why the lies just multiply. But when the Spirit comes, when the Spirit comes, he leads God's people into truth. And that truth, beloved, is spiritually discerned because it is Holy Spirit guided. Holy Spirit guided. You know what the Bible says in First Corinthians chapter 2. Again, in verse 14. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are not, because they are discerned only through the Spirit. This is what Jesus said to his disciples. Holy Spirit is going to come. The world is not going to recognize him. Why? Because he will be spiritually discerned. You know him. Because he's in you, he's with you, and therefore, so will be the truth. Beloved, listen, the truth is in you because the Spirit of God is in you. You and I know right from wrong because of the Spirit. You and I know that there is a God because of the Spirit. You and I know that God cares because of the Spirit. You and I know that the Bible is the Word of God because of the Spirit. If you are saved this morning, if you know who Jesus is and have come to trust Jesus unto eternal life, it is not because you are so smart. It is not because you are so beautiful. Because left to yourself, The devil would have kept you blind. The devil would have kept you deaf. The devil would have kept you dead in a sea of lies. It is the Spirit of God this morning that has made you alive. It is the Spirit of God that has opened your eyes so that you might see Jesus. It is the Spirit of God that has opened your ears so that you can hear Jesus. If you know Jesus this morning, if you love Jesus this morning, if you are by any means walking in the truth of the light of God's grace and mercy, it is because of the power and the presence of Holy Spirit this morning. No other way, beloved, no other way. You and I don't know truth apart from the work of Holy Spirit in our lives. Recognize him when it comes. Recognize him when he comes. You don't know Jesus because you're so smart. You don't know Jesus because you're so nice. You don't know Jesus because you're so beautiful. You know Jesus because Jesus said, I'm sending another. I'm sending the spirit of truth. And he will lead you into the truth. He is the spirit of truth. Beloved. He is the spirit of truth. And he is the spirit of peace. He is the spirit of peace. The Holy Spirit is called the Comforter. The Comforter. He is the one who brings the peace of God. Jesus said in verse 27. Chapter 14, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. He already promised that he's leaving Holy Spirit. He's always promised that he's sending Holy Spirit. And then he says, peace I leave leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give it to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. Again, beloved, apart from Holy Spirit, those words will fall on deaf ears. The only reason those words mean something to you this morning is because Holy Spirit has opened those ears. He has opened our hearts. Peace in the Bible Peace in the Bible is not just the end of hostility. That's not biblical peace. Biblical peace is not just that we've been separated, Pastor Phil, and that we are no longer in reach of each other, that we've gone to our separate corners. Peace in the Bible is not simply the end of hostility, but it is also establishing and supporting prosperity. Prosperity in soul and body. Prosperity in heart and mind. It is shalom. Shalom. It is harmony. It is wholeness. It is a state of prosperity where the world outside and the world inside are ordered as God had designed them to be. And so this is not just any peace. When Jesus says, my shalom, I leave with you. My shalom, I give to you. This is not worldly peace. This is not the peace that is brought about by the League of Nations or the United Nations. This is not the Justice League. This is not SHIELD. This is not peace in our time. This is peace in our hearts. This is a peace that comes from knowing you belong to Christ and that Christ is at the wheel. There is a peace, beloved. Wouldn't you understand? Christ is at the wheel. I took a little road trip this week with some with some dear brothers. I won't call out any names. Some dear, blessed brothers. They they were all afraid they were going to be in that sermon illustration. I took a road trip this week with some dear brothers. We had a wonderful time. But you know, they made me sit in the back seat. Sister Tanya. Can you believe that? I'm the oldest one there. And they made me sit in the back. And we riding along. And every time I try to doze off, the vehicle was swerving. <laughs> and I'm like, oh no. And then I dozed off and looked whoop, there it goes. <laughs> there was no peace in the back seat because I loved the brothers but there was another brother at the wheel. <laughs> peace comes, beloved, when you know Jesus is at the wheel. Jesus is at the wheel. And you can rest in him. This is what Jesus is saying. My peace I give to you. Holy Spirit comes. And that peace comes from knowing you belong to Christ. And that Christ is at the wheel. And he's driving your life. This is the gift of God to those in the kingdom of God. In Romans chapter 14, verse 17, what is the kingdom of God? Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's the kingdom of God. Don't you want to be a part of the kingdom? Don't you want to be a part of the kingdom? Righteousness, and peace, joy in the Holy Ghost. This is the peace that the Bible promises in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 9. It's a peace that passes all understanding. Jesus already said it. They won't understand it. They won't recognize it. They won't know it. It is a peace that passes all understanding. It is a peace that comes in the midst of storms. It is a peace that says and allows you to sing. Though the billows may roll and the breakers may dash, I shall not sway because he holds me fast. So dark tonight, clouds in the sky, I am all right because Jesus is nigh. That is the Holy Spirit. Listen, listen, beloved. When I was young, I used to go fishing. Early, early in the morning, I used to go fishing. And I had this boat, this little, this little boat, this little rowboat that I'd row out on the lake. And I remember one day that I went out on the boat, and as I got to the spot where I wanted to fish, I looked around, and there was no anchor. And I was like, this is not going to work. Because as soon as I stopped rowing and started to fish, the boat was just drift, and drift away from where I needed to be. Because I don't care how big or small the boat, it has to be anchored, or you're going to drift. When you say, my soul is anchored, the Holy Spirit is the anchor. He anchors your soul in Christ. He keeps you from being tossed to and fro by the waves of this world. He keeps you from drifting out into the darkness against the rocks and the shore. He anchors your soul in Jesus. If you are not drifting this morning, it's not because you are so strong. If you are not drifting this morning, it is not because you are so smart it is not because you know all the theological doctrines and arguments. If you are not drifting this morning, it's because my soul has been anchored in Jesus. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit. That's Holy Spirit. Recognizing when he comes. He's the one who has anchored you in Jesus. He's the one who keeps, your, keeps you fast and doesn't allow you to sway. He's the spirit of peace. He's the spirit of love, the spirit of truth, spirit of obedience. But ultimately, 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 he is the spirit of Christ. Guess who he is? He is the Spirit of Christ. When Jesus promised to give another helper, he was promising to send someone just like himself, one with himself. And the Holy Spirit comes in the name of Jesus. He does not come for himself, but he comes pointing people to Jesus. Notice what he says in verse 26 when the helper, the Holy Spirit, so you don't miss it, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. The Holy Spirit is promised to teach us again about Jesus, to bring to your remembrance. What Jesus said. Holy Spirit doesn't come so you will remember what Holy Spirit said. Holy Spirit is going to come so that you would remember what Jesus said. So you don't forget what Jesus has done. This is spirit-led preaching. It points to Jesus. This is spirit-led singing. It sings about Jesus. This is spirit-led worship. It makes much of Jesus. In John chapter 16, which we're going to get to probably sometime in the next two years. John 16, verse 13 and 14. Speaking of the Holy Spirit, Jesus says, He will not speak of his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me. Because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. People... People these days like to make much of the Holy Spirit. Well, Holy Spirit likes to make much of Jesus. Someone recently asked me, Pastor Phil, how often do you preach on the Holy Spirit? (laughs) Well, brother, every time we preach on Jesus... We are preaching in the power of the Holy Spirit. We are preaching on the Holy Spirit. Because in Romans chapter 8 and verse 9, the Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of Christ. He is the Spirit of Christ. And so the Son is one with the Father, and the Spirit is one with the Father and the Son. To have Jesus is to have the Spirit, and to have the Spirit is to have Jesus. He's the Spirit of Christ. He's the Spirit of Christ. How do you know? The Spirit, when He comes how do you know the spirit when he is active? How do you know the spirit is leading you into the truth? How do you know he's leading you into obedience? How do you know he's leading you into peace? Because he is leading you to Jesus. He's leading you to Jesus. If he doesn't lead you to Jesus, and I don't know what spirit it is, But it's not Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit will lead us to Jesus. Listen, beloved, whether we realize it or not, whether you acknowledge it or not, Holy Spirit is the necessary reality of the Christian life. There is no Christian life without Holy Spirit. There is none. There is none. You are not a Christian without Holy Spirit. You do not stay a Christian without Holy Spirit. You do not grow as a Christian without Holy Spirit. We are who we are because Christ made a promise that he would send a person who would give us power. And there is no power in the Christian life without the Holy Spirit. There is no victory in the Christian life without the Holy Spirit. There is no joy in the Christian life without the Holy Spirit. There is no comfort this morning or peace without Holy Spirit. You don't know Jesus without the person and the work of Holy Spirit. Thank God this morning. Thank God the Father. Thank the Lord Jesus Christ for sending Holy Spirit this morning. And don't make much of Holy Spirit, but allow Holy Spirit through you to make much of Jesus. He is our Lord. He is our Savior. He has given us the promise and the power in the person of God, the Holy Spirit, this morning. Let's pray.